Hey there, and welcome to our podcast, and thanks for joining us for this episode. Now, before we begin, we want to remind you to please take a moment to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you enjoy this content, please don't hesitate to leave us a five-star review and share this podcast with your friends. We'd like to extend an invitation to you and your family to join us for worship this week at our church. Thanks again for joining us, and now, enjoy the episode. And that he's alive today. And uh, so if you would, find your place in Matthew 28. Matthew 28. But Lucas, I apologize again for leading you astray, brother. Appreciate that forgiveness. Amen. While you're returning, I don't want to forget this. Um, This is as good a time as any. But this is a a letter from Jennifer, a card from Jennifer. And just wanted to give um, uh, her thanks. It says, uh, thank you to each and every person that prayed, called, sent cards, sent flowers, and checked on me during my recent surgery. Your thoughtfulness will never be forgotten. Continued prayers during recovery is very appreciated. Thankful for a caring and loving church. Love, Jennifer Pendleton. And so, uh, how many of us are going to continue praying for Jennifer? Say amen. Amen. And so, let's keep praying for her. But at this time, let's uh, open up to Matthew 28. I'll also have you um, hold your place in 1 Corinthians 15. 1 Corinthians 15 is such an amazing chapter in uh, contemplating actually launching into just a series of preaching through this chapter uh, this month. I didn't quite have the liberty of doing that. So uh, we are going to touch. Uh, First Corinthians is going to be a touchstone for us. And, uh, but our main text and reading is Matthew 28 and verse 1. Uh, if you're there, say amen. 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 <clears throat> It says, in the end of the Sabbath, as it began to dawn um, toward the first day of the week, came Mary Magdalene and the other Mary to see the sepulcher. Behold, there was a great earthquake. For the angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat upon it. His countenance was like lightning and his raiment white as snow. And for fear of him, the keepers did shake and became as dead men. And the angel answered and said unto the women, Fear not ye, for I know that ye seek Jesus, which was crucified. He is not here. Let's say these next four words together. Ready to begin. For he is risen. Amen. As he said, Come, see the place where the Lord lay. And go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. And behold, he goeth before you into Galilee. There shall ye see him. Lo, I have, I have told you. And they departed quickly from the sepulcher with fear and great joy. And did run to bring his disciples word. And as they went to tell his disciples, behold, Jesus met them, saying, All hell. And they came and held him by the feet and worshipped him. Then said Jesus unto them, Be not afraid. Go tell my brethren that they go into Galilee, and there shall they see me. 
Now when they were going, behold, some of the watch came into the city and showed unto the chief priest all the things that were done. And when they were assembled with the elders and had taken counsel, they gave large money unto the soldiers, saying, Say ye. In other words, say this. Here's a story, cover-up story for you. His disciples came by night and stole him away while we slept. And if this come to the governor's ears, we will persuade him and secure you. So they took the money and did as they were taught. And this saying is commonly reported among the Jews unto this day. Then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee, into a mountain where Jesus had appointed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Father, we thank you, Lord, for our time together this far. Father, Father, we just come to worship you. Um, Father, I'm thankful. And those words fall short of, of the resurrection. Father, there's so many things to try to remove this truth from the hearts of people. Try to silence this truth from those who know Jesus personally and sharing it with others. We live in a world and a culture that is anti-Jesus. But Father, today we're going to be pro-Jesus. Today we're going to speak nothing but Jesus. Father, I'm thankful for Christ. Without the resurrection, I would have no hope, and no one here would have hope. We are hopeless without Christ. So, Father, I pray if there be a lost soul here, what I mean by that, Lord, I, I, if there's someone that have, has never had a moment in their history where they have confessed their unbelief to you and confessed a believing, depending faith on Jesus alone because of his death, burial, and resurrection. Oh, I pray today they would listen to your spirit and that they would see their sin clearly, but also hear the welcoming voice of your spirit saying, Come and believe. Oh, I pray they would before this service is over. And I pray for every believer. I pray this story hasn't become... Just a story to them. Oh, it's Easter again. Father God, I pray that this Easter Sunday would be renewed in their heart and mind. That their Savior is alive. Just pray you help us to have renewed love for this day. Father, God, be in your word. And I pray that I'm just obedient to you and you alone. Help me to disappear from the stage. They only hear your voice. And I pray all of this in the name of my Savior, Jesus Christ, and all of God's people said, Amen. I want to start out this morning with a piece of history. We've read some history, but um, I want to read, don't know how familiar you are with, with British history, but this will make sense after I read this and tell you why I read it. It goes like this. Um, maybe you're familiar with the Battle of Waterloo. 
Maybe that rings a bell. Okay. On a Sunday morning, 1815, the Battle of Waterloo had been fought and won, as you all know. Um, but the people of England still anxiously awaited news of the battle. As you've got to remember, there was no electricity at that time, no radio, no telegraph. And, and the way in which they used to relay the message um, was interrupted by a fog. So they were trying to send the message that there was victory, okay? But it was interrupted by a fog, and the message that came through was this. Wellington defeated. Well, if, if, if you were in England, if you were British, this was not the news you wanted, okay? This, as you go and you read about this moment, you'll find that the whole uh, country wept. I mean, they were all in mourning because they heard this news. In other words, Napoleon, now master, again, the ma be the master of Europe. So we could say it was a very, very dark day for Europe, at least what they heard. However, however, the next day, the skies cleared up, and the way they sent the message, they were continuing sending it, the full message was received. And it said, Wellington defeated Napoleon. Now that message was a totally different message. That was the full message of what had happened. So, so we know that England went from mourning to rejoicing. Hey, there's victory. Now, Napoleon has been defeated. And as I read this account this morning about the resurrection, and you go in Mark's gospel and you'll read that when Jesus came and met with his disciples, he rebuked them for their unbelief. It's almost as if they heard the partial message. A message that Christ had told them about all through his ministry and even prior to his triumphal entry into Jerusalem. He said, listen, I must be handed over to the hand of sinners. I must go to the cross, but I will what? Rise again. But it's almost like, like the people were there at this point, 1815. They just heard part of the message. And thankfully, Christ, we know, came and saw them, and they rejoiced, but sadly, some still even doubted. But I just want to stand here and say today, by the authority of God's Word, we have the full message about what happened to Jesus. Amen? It's almost like they heard Jesus defeated, and that was it. But the full message was, Jesus defeated Satan, or Jesus defeated sin, or Jesus defeated hell, Jesus won. And all of those who are in Jesus, guess what? You have won also. And so what an amazing truth when you hear the whole truth. But notice this as well. Man, in this day and time, wanted to make sure the world got just part of the message. Here's a story for you. Here's a cover-up story. And even the world today and all that is out there around us and different religions and other things, again, wants to drown down this message. Folks, Christianity hinges on this historical event happening. If this did not happen, let's all go home. 
But folks, I'm telling you here today, Jesus rose again. He is alive. He defeated the adversary. We've got the full message. Jesus' glorious victory over sin, death, and hell. Now you look at this empty tomb, and again, they just heard this partial message. But what I want us to do this morning, you know, we're celebrating Easter. We're celebrating the resurrection. But why is the resurrection something to be so celebrated? Is it just the resurrection? Is that really all? When we look at the empty tomb, is that all that the message is, is just the resurrection? No, it's not. There is a full message. There is a full resurrection story that, that comes from the tomb. And folks, I'm not going to preach any. I'm not going to preach anything fancy or new. I'm going to preach something very simple to you, and and and, I, and, and that's the only way I know how to preach this. Um, I want you to understand it. When we look at the tomb today, now I've had the pleasure many years, several years ago, of going to the tomb and seeing the tomb, and I can say even just for myself, he's not there. Now, I didn't have to go to believe that. God's word tells me that. And the Spirit, He used His Word to, to bring that truth to me. And I, be, I believed that truth before I ever went, Brother Randy, to Israel. I believed it. But I'll tell you what, I got a little excited when I saw it too. And so to see it was remarkable, but I already believed the truth. What I want us to do today is simply this. As we look at the tomb and we see the Jesus that we see here in Scripture, now the resurrected Jesus, I want us to, I want us to know the well-rounded story that surrounds the tomb. I want to just talk about the, the full picture of why we celebrate the resurrection. All right? What does the tomb tell us? So I want us to see the truth from the tomb. All right? So first and foremost, this, death is real. Who would agree? Death is real. Jesus truly died on the cross. Who believes that? Again, we're looking at the tomb and Jesus isn't there. So keep that in mind. That's all we're saying. But Jesus truly died on the cross. The tomb truly held a dead man. When I say man, I'm talking about Jesus. I'm talking about the, the God man, all right? So I'm not trying to pull him down to our, our level in that sense. But it held the dead body of our Savior. Death is real. Okay? Death is personal, it's physical, and it's universal. You, are gonna, you see that message from the empty tomb. Death is certainly real. Something I notice when, when, I, when I visit a graveyard or there's a graveside service or I visit a graveyard or... You know, um, going to see you know, uh, the headstones of my, my family from time to time. Um, every graveyard testifies to the universal nature of death. Would you agree? All right. Our history is full of people who have died. They're gone. They're dead. And I will say this this morning. Um, the the great graves have rich people. They have famous people, they have poor people, and they have common people in there. 
And, and when they were alive, there was some distinctions between them. But I will tell you this, you're going to find that at the graveyard, uh, they all have in common. One thing they have in common with the rest is this epitaph. It's this, he died, she died, they died. All, all have uh, embraced this very reality called death. You think about people in Scripture, really, you think about death, there's really nothing unusual about the statement, he died, or she died. Maybe you hear on the radio, the obituary is coming up, you know, there's announcements, or you go on the, uh, a newspaper, or maybe you see it on social media, an obituary comes, really nothing unusual about that. We know people die. It's like that in Scripture, people, Adam, Eve, Cain, Abel, Methuselah, lived 969 years, but guess what? He died. Pharaoh, Julius Caesar, filthy Tiberius, uh, Tiberius uh, they all did what? They died. Millions of people have died, and nothing unusual about that. And again, when I hear about obituaries, it echoes the truth of Scripture to, to our ears. And I think I have these few verses. One is this, Romans 5.12. Just look behind me. Romans 5, 12, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. Let's go to the next one, Hebrews 9, 27. Notice this. And as it is appointed a man once to die, but after this, the judgment. And the last one here, James 1, 15. Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth, you tell me, death. Death is inescapable. All these that have died, human beings have died, it's inescapable. They, they, they had to embrace death. And listen to me, church, listen. We're one heartbeat away. When we begin to live, we begin to what? Die. The thing is, we take one more breath, that means there's one less breath. I'm getting real sad with you, aren't I? I'm just real somber this morning. Believe me, the end is a crescendo, all right? But we need to see what is this first message of the tomb. Death is real. Death is inescapable. One day, listen, you've not faced death yet. Now, you're, you're aging. You're getting older. I just turned one old. Henry has birthdays. Now, I don't get older. That's right. He's born on my birthday, so I get to stay younger. No, that doesn't, that's not how that works. Turn 36, getting older. I'm dying a little bit every day. But there's going to be one day death is going to come and scream this. Now. There's going to be one day between the sheets death is coming for me. Okay? Coming for you. Death is real. That is a message coming from the tomb. A common man, death, we are going to face. And because death is real, guess what? We need hope. All men have fallen short of the glory of God. All men have sinned and fallen short. We are dead in our trespasses and sins. We need hope. Do we need hope, church? Yes or no? Yes, we need hope. So the one truth we see about the tomb is that death is real. I want you to understand why the resurrection is so so wonderful and should be celebrated because we must begin with this very hard truth. Death is real. It comes to us all. It's not escapable. And folks, even if you're alive and you're caught up, you know, there is going to be a changing of this old flesh to the new body. 
There is, if you want to say, sort of a, a death to the one and giving the new body. So there is going to be a, a transition, a change. But folks, death is real. So if death is real, hope was needed. You look at the empty tomb and you see the fact that death is real to all of us. We also look at the tomb and we understand that hope was needed. Now, we understand in our reading that, that we find that Mary, uh, the two Marys were coming to the tomb. And they came and they said, the angel said, I know who you're seeking. You're seeking Jesus who was crucified. And I love the phrase that the angel says, he is not here. That tells you they still had in their mind a partial message. They should have already known that. But they were there bringing spices to prepare the body and, and, all, and all that was needed to be done in the Jewish customs of that day. He's not here. And go tell the disciples that he's not here. Hope is alive. See, folks, when we talk about hope, when I'm talking about hope was needed, I'm talking about a person that was needed. Someone that is transcendent above us that is like us, but not us, but that could do for us that we could not do for ourselves. I'm talking about Jesus. We needed hope. Something that only God could do for us dying mortals. We needed God to do a miracle. Now something that's going to be, turn to 1 Corinthians if you will. Now, I told you, this is several names. People have died. He died. She died. You know, they've died, all that. But there's going to be something different when you read about the death of Jesus. The tomb is talking about death is real. We also find that Jesus truly died. But notice what is so distinctively different as Paul is writing this, 1 Corinthians 15. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preach unto you, which also you have received. And wherein you stand, by which also you are saved, if you kept in memory what I preach unto you, unless you have believed in vain. Now notice this. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received. How that Christ what? For our... Now notice this. Here's the difference. Here's the huge difference between a, just a, a, a person dying and Jesus dying. Notice this. According to... Excuse uh, Dying for our sins, according to... To the scriptures. What did the scriptures say about Jesus? Let me give you a few of the scriptures. When it talks about scriptures here, it's talking about the Old Testament scriptures. Now, I'm going to go through these quickly, but Psalm 41.9. Notice behind me. Notice these. Yea, mine own familiar friend, whom I trusted, which did eat of my bread, hath lifted up his heel against me. This was a, a, a foretelling of a betrayal that Jesus would have. Talking about the death of Jesus. Psalm twenty-two, sixteen is another one. For dogs have compassed me, the assembly of the wicked have enclosed me, they pierced my hands and my feet. The, according to the scriptures. Psalm 69, 21. They gave me also gall for my meat, and in my thirst they gave me vinegar, vinegar to drink. Does that ring a bell? According to the scriptures. He died. And the last one I'll give you this is Isaiah 53 and verse 9. And he made his grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death, because he had done no violence, neither was any deceit in his mouth. Jesus died for our sins according to the Scriptures. What did the Scriptures say about the death of Jesus? 
the tomb tells us that Jesus had died. According to the scriptures. Jesus died sinless. Jesus died rejected by men. Jesus died with forgiveness in his heart toward humanity. Jesus died fulfilling all prophecy about himself. That's huge, dear friend, about Jesus. If Jesus did not meet every qualification of being the Savior, the resurrection would just be another day. But because Jesus died according to the Scriptures, hey, that's something different. That's something we can rejoice about because He is the pure, the pure Son of God. That's the Jesus, dear friend, that we're celebrating today. It's the Jesus who died according to the Scriptures. You know why? You go back to Matthew chapter 28. You know why they put guards at the tomb? Here's some money. We'll pay you. Because they also know some scripture. They didn't want to admit it, but they know what this, this prophet, as they would say uh, disrespectively, what this prophet had said, I'll rise again. So they put guards there because it was the Jesus who died according to the Scriptures. That's what the tomb is telling us about Jesus. We hope was needed and hope was found, first of all, in the death of Jesus. False narratives today, dear friend, are abounding. There are people that are carving out different kinds of Jesuses for you. But I'm telling you, the only Jesus that can save you is the Jesus according to the Scriptures. You must put your faith and trust in Him in Him alone. In Romans 6, um, I'm just going to read this to you. Verses 6 and 7. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. For he that is dead is freed from sin. The tomb tells us. Jesus died according to the Scriptures. You know what that tells me? That tells me that when I put my faith and trust in Jesus, the Jesus of the Scriptures, that I died with him. I now went to the cross with him. And I, I once was dead in my sin, now I'm dead to sin. Because the Jesus of the Scriptures is the one who died, is what the tomb tells me. And my faith is in him. And dear friends, I am now alive in him. Man, he's alive, we've been singing about it. But because that's the Jesus that died on the cross. By my faith being placed on him, spiritually, I die with him. The chains of sin are broken. They no longer bind me. They no longer own me. This is why we celebrate the resurrection. First of all, we find Jesus, according to the scriptures, died for me, died for you. And as I said, not just died for me, but died for the sins of the whole world. The Jesus, according to the scriptures. Dear friend, listen to me. Jesus confronted Calvary for you. Can I get an amen on that? He confronted Calvary. Was it just a cross? The cross was bad enough. But if you go back and you hear, hear the words of our Savior, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And then he said, Tita it is finished. 
or he is satisfied. Folks, the cross was the most horrific way to die. His back was in shreds. He was, a, he was literally, his body was disfigured by the torture. But that was minimal to what was placed on him in those three hours of darkness. Listen to me. Every soul today that is not a believer in Jesus Christ is under the wrath of God. Under His wrath right now. The wrath hasn't come out on you yet. You have not left this world yet. But if you leave this world without Jesus, you will take upon yourself what Jesus has already taken for you at the cross. You have rejected, you've turned your back on the gospel. Folks, when he said, it is finished, those three hours are, do you know what happened? The sin of the world was placed on him. The tomb tells me the one who was here was on the cross. And he truly died before he died. He took the wrathful punishment from a just and holy God. He had to pour out his justice. But Jesus says, I'll do it for him. Today, the only way we can receive that beautiful gift is by faith in Christ. Repentance and faith. Oh, the tomb has a beautiful story in it. It goes back to Calvary. We all die because we are sinners. Jesus died for us, not because he's a sinner, because the sin of the sinners were placed on the Savior, and he took the blow from the hand of his own father. Can I tell you something? When that, when, when he gave up the ghost, the hands of the father reached down into the temple and tore the veil in half. And dear friend, all of the Old Testament symbols and, and, and foreshadowing and the sacrifice, all of that was fulfilled. Why? Because the Lamb of God, according to the scriptures, just paid your debt. It's an amazing truth, isn't it? Don't, don't you see why the resurrection is a big deal? Because that Jesus, according to the scriptures, died on the cross and was placed in that tomb. Hebrews 2.14, I've got a few verses for you. For as much then as the children are partakers of, the fl- of flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same, that through death he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is, the devil. John 10, 17 and 18. Therefore doth my Father love me, because I lay down my life that I might take it up again. No man take it from me, but I lay it down myself. I have power to lay it down. Listen, and I have power to take it again. This commandment have I received of my Father. And I'll give you this last one. Revelation 1, 18. I am he that liveth and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. Have the keys of hell and of death. Glory to that. Amen. Why? Because it was the Jesus according to the scriptures. That's what the tomb tells us. But it's not just found in his death. Folks, we're talking about an empty tomb, not a tomb that has a body in it. So, truth from the tomb, Jesus died in our place. But folks, we understand that uh, hope was needed. Hope was found at the cross, but hope was fulfilled completely there in His resurrection. He is alive. 
He, is, he said, you seek the one who was crucified. He's not here. Wouldn't it be a great message to take to the world? And guess what? You are to take that message to the world. He is not there. But you know where he is? He's right here. And he can be right there. As that song was. Built it inside me. It's where, 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 where he is, where he comes to dwell. If you go back, look at, look at 1 Corinthians 15. We're not done with this. And I'm hurrying along. But notice this. Verse 4. Died according to the Scriptures. And he was buried, all right, according to the Scriptures. But notice this. And that he rose again the third day according to the what? You tell me. Scriptures. Think about that. I hadn't thought about it this way really at all. But I'm going to give you a verse, and I just want to stretch your mind a little bit. 1 Peter 1.20, Who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you. In other words, saying this, Jesus was foreordained. Before the foundation of the world was laid, Jesus was going to the cross. Jesus was going to the tomb. And Jesus was coming out of the tomb. Okay? Who believes Jesus knew the Scriptures? He is the Word. He is the Logos. But he knew his scriptures too. He, he knew. He listened to teaching. He was raised up in a home, right? He was taught. Can you imagine? He got to his earthly ministry. Every time he'd build his tent, lay down of a night and rest, he could not avoid what was written in the scriptures about himself. He knew the scriptures. They're his. But he knew them. Every time he would go and he would talk with somebody and he would heal somebody or he would be rejected by somebody, he can never turn away from what was written in the Scriptures about himself. I just want to, I just want to say this this morning. Everything about in the Scriptures, uh, he, he, he never took his eyes off of them. He never did. Never took his eyes off the date. Have you ever circled a date on your calendar? This date of his death, his burial, and his resurrection was a date in heaven's calendar that was circled before the foundation of the world. And through Jesus' ministry, he never took his eyes off of it. He never took his eyes off that date. On that third day, Creation rose and the Creator rose. S-U-N rose and S-O-N rose together that third day, that Sunday morning. This hope that we needed was found at the cross. It was found in the tomb. And thanks be to God was found no longer in the tomb. Our hope is alive. It's a person. It's not a, it's not a wish or you know, just hope, wishful thinking. It is a person. It is Jesus. And I will tell you this. Can I tell you, hey, what, is, what did Paul go on to say? You notice that in chapter 15. He was buried. Third day, according to the Scriptures, rose again. Notice this. He was seen of Cephas. That's Peter. Okay? Then of the twelve. 
And after that, he was seen above 500 brethren at once, and whom the greater part remain unto this present day, but some have fallen asleep. After that, he was seen of James, uh, then of all the apostles, and last of all, he was seen of me also, as one born out of due time. Listen, folks, Jesus, as Paul was even writing this, he said, there's people even still alive who have seen the risen Savior. We're talking about eyewitness accounts here. I can imagine Paul, as he was writing this, you know, uh, he was seen of Cephas. And these guys helped sort of train Paul as he was converted. And I can imagine Michael Peter taking Paul. Now, now you know, Paul, here's, here's where I, I gave my life to Jesus. And Paul, right here is where I denied Jesus. But, and right here is where, you know, Jesus just showed me mercy. And you can imagine these guys telling Paul where they saw Jesus and, and that Jesus is alive. Then Paul said, not just them. But I've seen him, the one who is pinning this, by the inspiration of the Spirit. I have seen him. You know, lastly, I want you to see this. When we look at the tomb, glory is promised. Glory is promised to those who are in Christ. And I love this passage of Scripture. We go really to the tail end of this chapter. Would you please look at verse 50? And we're going to wrap this up, okay? And if you're a Christian, you should sh- either shout inside or shout out of you. You know, there should be some rejoicing going on. And dear lost individual, I want you to know there is glory to be had. And we see it through the picture of Jesus' resurrection and his ascension. Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, neither do the corrupt inherit in corruption. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be what? Changed. Jesus was changed even himself, going back to his original glory. Because he was changed, folks, we're going to be changed. Behold, I show you mystery, we shall all sleep, we shall all be changed. In a moment, in a twinkling of an eye at the last trump, for the trump shall sound, the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be, you tell me, changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption. Hey, Jesus is incorruptible. I'm in him. I'm promised this glory. And this mortal must put on immortality. This is the glory that's promised me. So when this corruptible shall put on incorruption, and this mortal shall put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, and will always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as you know that your labor is not in vain, in who? The Lord, the Lord who died according to the Scriptures, the Lord who was buried according to the Scriptures, and the Lord who resurrected according to, you tell me, the Scriptures. Folks, we have a Savior who is alive. We're going to have a glorified body. Time and space have no rule over that body. This body is engineered for a journey to the third heaven and for eternity. Sin no more. No sickness, death, or parting. When we were flying uh, to Florida, we were up 37,000 feet. We were in a container because we couldn't get out there ourselves. We had to be taken from point A to point B. But can I tell you something? God is going to give me a body. 
Amen. That's going to surpass 37,000 feet. It's going to go past that heaven. It's going past the second heaven. It's going to go up to the heaven where he is. And that's where I'm going to be. And no one can change that. Because the Jesus that is alive is a Jesus that is in Scripture. He's written about. He's been seen. And we're telling you about him today. And folks, I just want to say, even all that we know about Jesus, it's still like looking through a glass darkly. Oh, but one day, it's like putting on glasses. We're going to see him as he is. The resurrected King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Clearly, as we see each other today, but the only way you get to go to be with him is that you must know him as your Savior. Brother Josh, that's great. How do I know him as my Savior? Well, dear friend, Christ has done all the work. The Bible says that we must believe from our heart. If God's dealing with you, He's showed you your sin, your unbelief. And God's given you an opportunity to respond to Him by putting your faith completely on Jesus. Confessing that to Him. That you trust only Jesus as your Savior. And the Bible says when we believe from the heart and confess with the mouth, Lord Jesus, we're saved. And we are forever His. Can I ask you a question as we all stand to our feet? Ever so quietly, every head bowed and every eye closed for just a moment. We'll prepare a song of invitation. I'll ask Miss Arb just to start playing softly as she approaches the piano.